No, my wife would never let me do that though. Don't don't want random strangers sleeping in our beds. I mean, but yeah, I heard I heard good things about Barzal there. It's yeah, weird. It's See, my wife stuff. my wife likes random strangers in her bed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Red Line, presented by Isles Fix, your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at islesfix.substack.com. We are back from our break, from their break. That's right, the All-Star break happened. We decided to take a small break ourselves, but we are back with The Red Line. Phil Farber, David Tuckman, uh, alongside each other in a metaphorical sense as he's in Toronto. I am in now sunny Southern California. We have survived the rain and uh, we are post all-star break. How are we feeling, Phil? We're feeling energized, re revitalized, reinvigorated, and most importantly, healthy. We're yeah. feeling healthy. The team is feeling healthy. The team is healthy. And uh, that's going to be important down the stretch as they play out these last 32 games. Yeah, no doubt about that. A lot to cover here. I want to, I want to touch all on that. We'll, we'll talk right away. You brought it up. Health. Uh, for the first time all season, uh, this team is pretty much completely healthy. Hudson Fashing is uh, an injured player. I don't know how badly he's injured, but I'm not sure if he would be in the lineup even if he was healthy right now, to be honest. He wouldn't be, no. They, they're going to go with the fourth line for now. I think Wah wants – he's he's never had this fourth line under him. Sezikis was injured when he took over. So this is really the first time tonight – against Tampa is going to be the first game where he really has the intended start at 18 skaters, right? And we talked earlier in the season about the blessing in disguise that was some of these defensive injuries because it forced them to scoop up Riley. Well, now Riley has been beautifully inserted on that bottom pair with Scott Mayfield. And I mean, if you look at the underlying numbers, both of them are playing pretty well. So I think this is a six-man defensive unit that you could go to war with. Right, you've got Romanov, Dobson, who have been good all season. Pelik Pulak in that game against Toronto, they showed you a glimpse of what their former selves used to look like, and you you hope that they can build off that and and sustain that for the rest of the season. And then Mayfield Riley, I think, is a third pair that any any team would take. Yeah. Now, listen, this defense obviously has not really been together all season. I mean, in fact, we've only played one game with this six. That was first Toronto. They looked pretty good. Pulak, it was his first game back in 24 games. So, uh, you know, obviously getting a little bit of the rust off. But, yeah, maybe I, I'm looking at this through, uh, you know, fans' glasses, and maybe I'm a glass-half-full kind of guy. But I am really excited about this defense. Uh, I think while Mayfield and Riley certainly have their, their warts, uh, I think they have the potential – to be one of the best third pairs in the league. Pelik and Pollock have always, to me, it's always was a mistake splitting them up. Um, I, I know a lot of people will say it was out of necessity, but to me, when you have an elite line, when you have an elite pairing, splitting that up, you now create two problems. Pelik and Pollock, it, it's just a simple, the sum of the parts is greater than the parts themselves for those two players. Um, they have always been significantly better when together than when apart, um, especially in Pelic's spot. And uh, obviously the growth of Romanoff and Dobson this year does get me excited about this defense, especially 
when I look at what Patty Waugh and, uh, and, and the new assistant coach, I'm not going to try to say his last name. Can you say it? Uh, I'm not going to attempt to do that. Benoit Jibajabi, whatever his name is. Rosier or something like sure, that? Sure, that sounds about right. It's something Quebecois. Um, but, Quebecois assistant coach. Right, and it seems like he's going to be focused more on the structure and the defensive side of things. Penalty and, kill. Right, and I'm kind of excited to see what these six, if healthy and can stay healthy, what they can accomplish back there. Um, you know, up on forward, you know, we finally see this 12 healthy. Now, while you and I have never been on the, uh, hey, let's play Cal and let's play Martin all these games, it'll be interesting to see how they play. I thought it was interesting to see that Kyle McClain was sent down and that we didn't keep a 13th forward up, especially with Fashing Hurt. But people well, forget that he's... Is... Okay, so let's just let's talk about that real let's quick. Let's do it. So, yeah, cap implications, right? The only way you could possibly have kept up McClain is not a Fashing one on IR, it's if he went on LTIR because IR still counts against your salary cap, but you don't get the uh, the increased cap ceiling. So therefore, so long as Fashing is not on LTIR, they could only keep 23 men on the roster. And the only regular exempt player is Kyle McClain. They're keeping eight defensemen, as I predicted they would, simply because you've had games from Pellick, games from Pollock, games from Mayfield, games from Ajo, games now from Bortuzzo, right? That's five defensemen who have been hurt this season, it's not surprising that they want to keep up extra depth on defense. And we know just by some of the players who have been scooped up on waivers this season, I saw, I think it was Jacob Mengna who was picked up by Chicago. There have been some really borderline defensemen picked up. Either of Ajo or Bolduc would get scooped up in a second, and they just don't want to lose the depth. So no, yeah. I can appreciate that. They're going to have to make a decision when Bortuzzo comes back. Is it... Are you waving Bortuzzo? Are you waving Ajo? Are you trading someone? That's is there a, a chance they'll they have just, to make pretty soon? Is there a chance they just keep Bortuzzo on LTIR until the playoffs? Well, he's skating. Okay, good for um, them. Kucherov, yeah, I mean, Kucherov was skating for Kucherov was skating for weeks and weeks true. and weeks, and and somehow Tampa Bay kept him on LTIR until the playoffs. This maybe. is Bortuzzo. Again, it's not something that anyone should stress over whether you lose Bortuzzo or lose Ajo or lose you know any any of those fringe depth defensemen, but it's just. This is what they're going to go with until at least roster expansion. And then depending on what their salary cap allows, if they're able to carry more than 23, then I think they will. But right now it doesn't look like they're going to. So with Fashing Hurt, they only have 12 healthy forwards and McLean being the waiver exempt guy after they've already sent Gautier through waivers and and he cleared. We'll get to Uh, Gautier in a second, by the way. Yep. I I do want to touch on this and I think people are worried like, well, Kyle McClain deserves to be up. There are a couple of things that I do want to point out. The 24-year-old who just scored his first goal, what a moment as a hockey, as a dad, as a hockey dad, I just can't imagine the moment uh, that he and his dad were able to share there and uh, just couldn't hide the smile. It was pretty awesome. Um, If that, if that didn't kind of warm, warm the cockles of your inside, uh, you might be dead inside. But, it was pretty funny, by the way, how Sportsnet panned to the wrong coach because he and he and Huda are both bald. MSG had it right; they went right to McLean, but but Sportsnet pants to smiling Doug Huda, and they're like, "And there's Dad." And like, All white bald guys look the same. Yeah, no, that is not Dad. Um, not how far is Bridgeport from uh, from UBS? Not too far. Okay, I mean, it's, a, it's like a ferry ride and then drive down. I, I mean, that's that's the point. I mean, a lot of people are screaming, well, well what about Kyle McClain? And what happens if we get an injury? If we get an injury, Kyle gets to call up. 
Yeah. I mean, it's it's really simple, everybody. And in the meanwhile, do you really want a 24-year-old, even if we did have the space, do you really – he's not the kind of guy. See, Aho is one of those guys who can just practice – and if we get an injury or if somebody needs a break or whatever it might be, a maintenance day, Aho can slot in there and play. We don't want that for Kamaklin. We wanted to play in games. In fact, you know, we saw him actually go to Bridgeport so they can get a couple of games in there during the All-Star Yeah, he game. got two games in during the All-Star break. Listen, I think the more ideal fourth line includes McLean and Sezikasana together. There's similarities between these players. You'd have a lot of speed on that line. Well, you have two players who really can take face-offs. Two players that could take face-offs, really good four-checker. Uh, I mean, and then he's got some skill in his bag, too, that he displayed on that goal. And anyone who watches Bridgeport also knows that he's he's an underratedly skilled player. You know, he's not going to be a top-of-lineup player ever. That's just not his game. And the, he's found money, right? When yeah. you get a guy in unrestricted free agency who goes undrafted and they're capable of becoming an NHL player, that's... That's like recouping a, a middle round draft pick right there. Yeah, so, I don't think people realize for the, for those of you who are older fans, fourth liners today, as opposed to what they were in the eighties, it's just not the same ball. I mean, the fourth liners today are all mostly really, really skilled players. I mean, they've got hands, they can play some hockey, you know, I mean, even, even look at Cal Clutterbuck. I mean, Cal Clutterbuck's got a shot, uh, yeah. you know, and, and there are some players, I mean, Suzuka scored 20 goals one year. I'm, I'm not saying Kyle McLean's a 20 goal scorer. I don't think he ever will be. But can he chip in six or seven in overseason? Probably. Can he kill penalties? There are some things. Getting back to the defense, something that really gets me excited about this particular spot, you and I had talked about it. And I said that this team, this was back in September and October, we said this team needs a defenseman. I do Mm -hmm. not believe that this team can go anywhere as long as Ajo is in your top six. But I always had faith that if the team was in the mix, that would be an area that Lou would address. Now, I actually think that if you told me the upgrade was Riley from Ajo and that we gave up a third or fourth round pick for that, I'd be thrilled. And yet we got Riley for free. And now Ajo as your seven or even your eight, suddenly this defense is really deep and it's pretty exciting. Again, as long as we can stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, theoretically speaking, this, this is what you could go to war with in the playoffs. I know people want Noah Hannafin. Right, but there's or, or Jacob Chikrin, which again, these are sexy names. These are obviously players who would represent an upgrade, but you have to consider the assets that you would be spending as well as the cap mechanics to keep these players around longer term. Can you do it? Can't you do it? And when you look at the commitments that they made to Pelic, Pulak, and then the commitments that they need to make to Romanov and Dobson, these are guys who are all going to be getting paid top four money. Right. And we could look at it in hindsight and say, well, we never should have extended Pelic, we never should have extended Pulak. These were stud 27-year-old top-pairing defensemen. There's no one who wasn't giving them these what no, at I the mean, time were Pelic considered is, Pelic is coming deals. off of – I mean, Pelic was at that point being praised as one of the top defensive defensemen in the league. Absolutely. And, yeah, he's obviously – the injury bug has hit him, and he, and he hasn't been the same, but I'm hoping – I'm somewhat cautiously optimistic that he'll be a lot better now that he's paired back with Ryan. Um but, I mean, he was shutting down Sidney Crosby. He was shutting down, you know, Nathan to a McKinney. degree. Yeah, he I was mean. shutting down everyone. Right, McDavid, whoever it was, he, that was the matchup each and every night. And yeah. for the most part, he was doing an amazing job. Just the, the, the way he could skate, the way he could move, his length, his stick work, everything. Um, you know, obviously, we're, we're hopeful. He's still not old. We're hopeful that he can, he can find that again. But whether you like it or not, we're stuck with him. And I we're don't stuck think. stuck with him. This is who we're going with. 
There will be no Chikrin. There will be no, no Hannafin. And in that's fairness, not, I don't want Chikrin. I, know, it's also, by I the have way, zero not, desire for Chikrin. I'm going to put that out there. Don't even, I don't even like Chikrin. I think Chikrin is a... I thought Chikrin was overrated in Arizona, coming mm-hmm. off of a ridiculously high shooting percentage year where he scored 20 goals, and I think he's overrated in Ottawa. I just don't think... The, I don't think that much of Jacob Chikrin. Noah Hannafin is a player. He can play. I think they're both really good. I think you run into a problem, though, where you're putting too many top four profile defensemen and, and if you like shove them into your bottom pair, you're seeing an issue with uh, Carolina now with Dmitry Orlov, where they paid him like seven and a half million to be on their third pair, and he's just been mostly awful this season. And it could be that he just doesn't buy, he hasn't bought into the Brindamore system, and that's uh, it's also you know, a question of listen. There's a guy. There's a guy who you know if a, one of the strengths of a player is that they play in the power play, right? And now suddenly they're not covering the power play. Why are you paying the guy seven and a half million dollars? Just doesn't make any sense. Carolina has other problems, and we can talk about that. I watched their goaltending the other night. They have some serious issues. Uh, Jordan Stahl, who used to be this great shutdown third line defense uh, center, he's he, he does a lot of clutching and grabbing. He's cooked. Days. He is absolutely cooked. Carolina, <laughs> I I have I have no faith whatsoever. If you're a Carolina fan, I'm sorry, your team is done. Um, your window is passed. Good luck. Uh, move on. Sebastian Ajo, uh, he, he's a stud. You've got some studs in that team, but that team is, uh, I think they passed. Um, I want to touch on Zach Parisi, because I know that some fans out there, including you, and I know you were probably doing it in jest and sarcasm, trader this. So Zach Parisi did mention, he's like, if I come back this year, I'm com- the only, there's only one team I'm considering. Matt Barzal, and obviously if you're living in a cave and you don't know, Parisi has signed with the Colorado Avalanche, and he's already played a game. He's played two games and he has zero points. Huh. Okay, <laughs> you're so bitter. You're, you're so you're like you're I'm like, bitter. I'm petty. I'm you small. you are. You're like a scorned boyfriend and like yeah, whatever. Look at that fat dude. That I wish him zero success. Look at that fat dude that she's with now. Anyway, right. Um, Matt Barzell said it, and he goes, "Listen, if we had instead of blowing some of those third period leads, uh, we some of those were wins instead." Maybe Zach is here. But then again, so is Lane, and that's probably not good. So part of me is kind of happy he's not. I, I By the way, I don't even think that's true. I think that's a, that's a good thing to tell yourself. And I think in, in, in one regard, Breezy not being here is good in that it creates more bulletin board material for these guys where it's like, well, he didn't pick us. He clearly doesn't think that we have what it takes to get there. I think it's pretty simple, right? It's going to be easier to come out of the West than the East this year. Yeah, but it's not just that. It's also listen. And Colorado if, is just a—they're a freaking wagon. And no, I know right. Like, if you're listen, well, you're, if, if Lou would have made the right acquisitions this summer, maybe he would have chosen. Like, dude, there is no McKinnon, Rantanen, McCarr type upgrade that any team can just on a whim make. These are will, the best. I'll put it this way though: world. if the New York Islanders were in first or second place in the Metro, I think there's a distinct chance that Zach Parisi would have chosen the New York Islanders. That sure. said, that said. I th- not a slam dunk, though. I, I give the guy, I have no ill will. He owed nothing to the New York Islanders. He owed True. absolutely nothing to this team. He retired. He was a free agent. He looked around the league and he said, hmm, I think I'd like to play with Nathan McKinnon. This makes a lot of sense. I, by the way, I might have chosen the same exact thing. And I think you would have and a lot of other people would have as well. I have no, anybody out there is like, oh, fuck him. Screw him. I hate that guy now. Why? The guy was an absolute warrior for us. He was he was better than you could ever imagine, and I wish him the best. If we can't win the Stanley Cup, I hope they do now. I hope they don't. <laughs> of course you do. Uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about let's talk about Gautier. Um, let's do it. Now I mentioned this a couple of months ago, 
we were talking about Gautier's this and Gautier's that, and he's got speed and he's got this. And I started mentioning on this podcast, those of you who are loyal listeners, you might remember me saying, I go, I don't know, man. I, one game he's good, and then one game he's just completely lost, and then one game he's just so inconsistent, and what the hell is he doing? And there were a couple spots where, like, I mean, he's this big, huge guy, and he just loses one-on-one battles, and he was starting to really frustrate me. And and Patrick Waugh. I, well, and I'll say to frustrate Patrick Right, Waugh, but I, I'm not going to lie. I was not surprised when he got benched in the game mm-hmm. uh, a few games ago, right, before the All-Star break. And I wasn't surprised that he got waived. And maybe I was slightly surprised that he didn't get picked up off waivers. But it's really telling that a player that big and that fast with NHL experience making minimum salary was not picked up. He's got five goals in limited minutes, too. I mean, was not picked up by any one of the other 30 odd teams in the NHL. Right. Which, by the way, is good for the Islanders. Like, I think you'd rather keep him than lose him. Of course. Listen, listen, it's a nice, it's a nice depth forward. If we get a couple of injuries, yes, you can call him up. You can throw him in there. Although I'm not sure if he's even, he he might be the 16th guy to come up there now. Well, he's behind, I think he's very clearly behind McLean. He might be behind Dufour. I don't know what Waugh's opinion is. Certainly behind Fashing. He's certainly behind Fashing. He's, he's. Probably about the fifteenth or sixteenth forward. Yeah, that's okay. that's fair. You never know. Listen, I mean, we spoke about before the season started, right? The area where the Islanders are going into the season with depth is the forward group. You're not gonna, other than a huge rash of injuries, you're not gonna have to run into Andy Andriov or Cole Bardro or Otto Koivula oh, anytime man. soon, right? They were getting how excited were we when Kyle McLean ball. got called up and not Otto? For oh, thrilled or Ross Johnson, by the way. You know what? Julian Gauthier, the biggest favor he's done for the organization, other than help them win a couple games, like against Florida and against Washington, is get Ross Johnston off the roster. Good point. It's a good point. Okay, so right. we brought up, we, we're happy with the defense. If As long as the defense stays healthy, we're pretty happy with this. I mean, I think Romanov-Dobson is a great number one pair. Pelik and Pollock, uh, you could argue, is as good a second pair as any in the league. And if Riley and Mayfield, um, they are arguably one of the best third pairs. I mean, this is a solid, solid defensive group as long as they stay healthy. So if we win a few games and Lou thinks, okay, this team deserves a little bit of a, a shot in the arm and goes out let's and acquires somebody. Let's just call it what it is. If, if they are in a playoff spot by the beginning of March. Right. When's the trade deadline again? March 8th? March, March 5th? March 6th or something March like that. Okay. So they, they've, got, right, they, so they've got 20 days, say. And they, if they do well over the next 20 days and they're in the playoffs, Lou mm-hmm. is going to reward this team with something. I don't know if it's going to be a – I don't think – I don't know if it's going to be a big – it's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be a Bo Horvat type player. Um, I don't even know if that player is available this year anymore, to be honest with you, now that Lindholm is gone. But doesn't look like it. Where are we helping? Are we looking at third line? Are we? Are we Are we – Getting rid of, is it Wallstrom's spot? Is it a fourth line or is it bottom six? What are we thinking here? Is it Engvall's spot on the second line? Yeah, I mean, it could be the Engvall spot on the second line. It could be the Wallstrom spot on the third line. I think if, I, if I'm if i looking at this team, like, you're not going to add to the fourth line. If you wanted to upgrade the fourth line at some point, you just call up Kyle McLean. Fans aren't going to like this, but you're probably not going to add to the first line either. I think Anders Lee is going to stay in that spot, like it or not, and... 
that line, I mean, if you just look at their underlying numbers and what they've been able to do under Watt, especially have just been ridiculous. Like yeah. they are puck, puck possession monsters. I want I do want to touch on Barzal as well. I mean, like I said, we've got to, we haven't, been, we haven't spoken in a while. Barzal is, we'll talk about him in a second. He's been a beast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think middle six, probably a rental might even be looking at an old friend like Jordan Eberly again or something like that. I don't think they don't, again, they don't have the cap space really to make that big splash. Where right. We've been stuck in LTI for a guy with big term and then extend him because yeah. that would require major roster surgery in the off season. And then you also have to be cognizant of what you have to dole out to Dobson and Romanov after next year as well. So you're not looking at that. Could it be Tarasenko? Maybe. Could it be Adam Henrique? Also maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're not there yet. I think if if they put themselves in a position where it's like, all right, they're competing, they're doing well, they've turned Wallstrom into a trade chip. <laughs> I mean, maybe this is all to turn him into a trade chip, and that's why they keep talking him up so much and giving him this opportunity. But yeah, I would say if it's going to be an ad, it's going to be a lot more muted than it was at last trade deadline. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, let's talk about Barzal. Let's talk about that first line. 23 I, minutes a night. Yeah, I mean, something that you, we have been talking about for a long time, we have said, you know, Matt Barzal is a horse. This is a guy who actually plays better the more responsibility you give. Um, I, I always said, I said, why don't we play him on penalty kill? Somehow, Patty has figured out a way to play him 23 minutes a night without putting him on the penalty kill, which is fine with me. Um, I personally would love to see Barzal playing at the end of the game as well when we were clinging on to that lead versus Toronto the other night. Uh, I, I still think that Barzal is probably one of our best puck retrievers and also just so shifty and so smart with the puck in his own zone. And I do think he's, his, his IQ in the game is so smart as hockey sense that he understands the situation. I'm not trying to score here. I'm trying to get the puck out. I would love to see him at the end of the game as well. Put him out there with Pajot and Horvat. You know, you put him out there with a couple of other centers who can win face-offs, who are responsible. He can get the puck out. I, I'm fine with that. Anyway, I just had this conversation with a buddy of mine, and he was watching Barzal play versus Toronto, and he was saying straight out, and we've, I saw, I think it was Cam Robinson said this, Barzal, during, Barzal is top five in the world, dot, 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 during the All-Star game. <laughs> yes. I'd argue, though, he might be top 15 in the world right now. Now, oh wow. Can he Now, I will say, can he consistently do this? Cuz right now he's done it for five or six games. Right. But him playing 20 I'm not going to say the points aren't there. The goals aren't there. The assists aren't there yet, okay? But he is absolutely dominating. Um, I mean, he is back-checking, he is stealing pucks, he is creating when he is on the ice. I mean, I'm watching him play with some of the best players in the world over in Toronto, and when Barzal's on the ice, he looks like the best player on the ice, period. Against the Leafs, he definitely did. And I I'm not going to say Austin Matthews. I'm not saying he's better than Austin Matthews, everybody, okay? Let's not get crazy. No, he's not. But he's not, right. But over the last few games, he has been absolute. When he is on the ice, he has been playing on a different level right now. Can he hold it up now? Can he do it for the next 30 games or so? Is the question right. I would. I mean, there there is genuine excitement in the locker room, and you just read it in the quotes. You see it in the interview clippings that the uh, the team sends out at the end of every pregame warm up or after the game. There is this genuine excitement 
that Wah has injected into the room. Part of it is his personality, but another element of it is you've got a living NHL legend in your locker room and everyone wants to impress him, right? Not just the goalies, right? You know, you heard the way Barzell was talking about it. Wow, it's Patrick Wah playing in front of Patrick Wah. These guys want to make that impression on him that they're also stars and that they can be stars in this league. And Barzal is one player who's really taken the opportunity to run with it. I point out another guy. I, I don't think I've ever seen Palmieri play this well. Um, yeah, his, I mean, he had a really good stretch at the end of last year, but he looks possessed out there during these five games. I know he had 11 shots against Montreal. He had the game-tying goal there. Um, he had the game-tying goal against Florida the next game. I you know He he helped create yeah, the, I uh, just, the I just, winning goal the other yeah, night. I, I just wish we been... never traded for him and kept Eberle. <laughs> hey, okay. So, uh, just for fun, I'm going to throw names at you. You tell me where 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 Barzal fits in right now, okay? In no specific order, we've got Kucherov, we've got Nathan McKinnon, we've got Pasternak, we've got Connor McDavid, we got uh, Panarin, we've got Austin Matthews, Jack Hughes, Kale McCarr, uh, Rantanen, Sidney Crosby. I'll throw in J.T. Miller, uh, uh, Pedersen, Reinhardt, Drysaitel. Um, we'll throw in Sebastian Aho. We'll throw in uh, Marner. And then I'll throw in Barzal. Where does he fit? Am I missing somebody else? Uh, Braden Point. Braden Point. Braden Point. Um, I mean, that's right now. I just it. named. I just named about eighteen players. Did you only name forwards? No, I put Kale McCarr in there. I put Kale McCarr. I didn't put Quinn Hughes in there. Sorry. You didn't put Quinn Hughes in there. You didn't put Adam Fox in there. Yeah, I didn't put Adam Fox in there because I don't think he's very good. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, you didn't listen. put Sebastian Aho in there. No, I did. Sebastian Aho's in there. Oh, Sebastian Ajo's in there. I didn't put the New York Islander Sebastian Ajo in there, no. No, 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 not him. I have, I have, like, I'll, I'll go through again. Okay, so let's add in. I'll add in Quinn Hughes. I'll add in Adam Fox. Marner. Sebastian Ajo. in there? Braden Point. You did have pasta, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dreisaitl, Reinhardt, Pedersen, Miller, Crosby, Rantanen, McCarr, Jack Hughes, Austin Matthews, Panarin, McDavid, Pasternak, McKinnon, Kucherov. Barkov. Okay. I mean, if you take the top... It's too hard to think about all the players in the NHL off the top. I, I'm, I'm sure it is. Listen, but if you take the top tier... I like him better than Marner, though. I do like him better than Marner. I also... I think I like him better than Reinhardt. Reinhardt has like 22, 21 power play goals. Right. My only question is how replicable, replicable is that going to be year over year? And especially if he goes to another team next year, right? Like you might have a team that just doesn't have the same power play scheme. And all of a sudden, this guy who has like 35 goals and... <laughs> close to two thirds of them are on the power play next year. It's like, Oh wow, this guy, we just paid him 10 and a half million dollars to score 26 goals because we couldn't figure out how to scheme for this guy properly. Listen, in our I, power play. I know there are people listening going, Dockman, stop it. Barzal's not that good. I, I just, I've ne I have, I have never seen him be this dominating. He's just like, when he gets, when he touches the ice, he is, he just, he's in command. And it's almost like, I don't even care who he's playing against. Like if you're the other team, you're just like, okay, we've we've got to figure out. A, I mean, we're gonna get we're gonna get dominated when the Barzal Horvat line is out there. How do we just contain them? And then we've got to beat the other three lines. Right, right. Uh, I, I'm I, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it and everything. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. Anyway, uh, All Star game by the way, Barzal looked great. It's kind of fun as he was uh, in contention for the uh, in the skills competition. You know, I didn't even watch the All Star game. I was away. The All-Star game was in my city. It was in Toronto. I, I left just as the NHL was, was pulling into my town. Um, did you did you rent heard, out did you rent out your place, Airbnb it? I should have. You should have. You may have made some money. That. Absolutely could have made some money on that. <laughs> no, my wife would never let me do that though. Don't don't want random strangers sleeping in our beds. 
I mean, but yeah, I heard I heard good things about Barzal there. That's yeah, weird. It's, See, it's my wife, my wife likes random strangers in her bed. <laughs> what? Oh, I, I meant like when we're gone, not when, when you're gone. Gone. Of course, of course, of course. obviously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just I, listen. Barzal, he goes to the skills competition. He did great there. Obviously, uh, uh, Team Matthews, which Barzal was on, they win. They win it. You know, hey, they want to win. Obviously, it's in Toronto, and then Barzal comes out of the out of the gate versus Toronto and. You know, it's just absolutely dominating. It's exciting to see. Um, something I want to talk about, change of coaching here. As you mentioned, Wallstrom. Patty came out and said straight away, he goes, we're giving this guy a chance. We're giving him some leash. We want to see what he can do. He is going to have a legitimate chance. I have patience. Yeah, I have time for him. I have time for him, right. I mean, listen, he, he basically just rearranged the deck because Wallstrom was pretty firmly, I think, he was the 14th forward. Underlying. He was gone. I mean, I was surprised he wasn't gone he was already. Yeah. He played like six minutes, seven minutes, benched the whole third period, benched here, benched there. And then Wad just came in and was like, all right, I've seen Gautier. I've seen Wallstrom. Gautier, you're going down to the minors. Wallstrom, you're staying here. You're my guy. I wonder how much influence Lou had on this. It could be a situation where maybe Lou did want Wally playing more under Lane and Lane just disagreed. And... No way to prove one way or the other. It's possible, but but it's pretty clear that this is a WA-directed decision that if he wanted Gautier over Wallstrom, that, that Gautier would still be here. So he's making Wally his guy. I still don't know that this is going to go anywhere. We saw in his rookie year how good he could be from, you know, being able to, you know, put pucks on net and score goals. And he, listen, he, he was, was good the before play. the injury. And, and that's what Patty yeah, he said. Was, he was pretty he good was last like, year before the injury, too. Like yeah, the biggest knock against him always is is his hockey IQ, his he listen, he's know, Wayne Gretzky next to Attention to detail. <laughs> In terms of his IQ, you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, that penalty against Toronto was pretty No, bad. it was a terrible penalty. But I will say, okay, so there were a couple things that I thought were really really interesting. Number one, I thought I thought Wallstrom actually had a pretty good game. And you know I'm not a big Wallstrom guy. I think he's probably a bottom six player, ideally probably a third liner that can use his body, put some pucks in the net, maybe play power play two, which is all fine. You need that, right? I thought he played quite well versus Listen, Toronto. he had a post about 15 seconds before he took that penalty. Yeah, and then the penalty... That penalty was a, a product of him then trying to do too much. Like, you almost score, and you're like, all right, let me get the puck back, and then he turns it over, and then... In the neutral zone, he just plows a guy, and it's just like, why? Right. We're up to one, five minutes left. Come on, dude. Terrible penalty. Now, this is what I love, though. Engvall makes a mistake. Boom, you're benched, and you miss the next game. Right. Wallstrom makes a mistake. You're benched. You're not going to play. You're not going to see the ice for three games. I, I, I know that fans want to hold players accountable, but you have to have a plan. As a coach, you've got to be thinking, what am I actually trying to accomplish here? Because sometimes, for any of you who are parents out there, sometimes punishing your kid doesn't necessarily get you what you want. What are we trying to teach? And, and, and my point is that I think sometimes if you punish somebody for making mistakes, if anything, they hold the puck, they hold the stick tighter, they play scared, they're not loose, they're not having fun. And I was really encouraged by the fact that even after Oliver Wallstrom's stupid penalty and it really was a terribly stupid penalty that he had another shift after that he had mm-hmm. another shift after that and that he's going to stay in the lineup and now listen I, I do think that patty is not going to have much patience for that if it happens again and again and again yeah you'll be out of the lineup but the fact that he's giving him a little bit of rope 
yeah, it's okay to make a mistake. Listen, I expect you to fuck up, okay? You have, you have permission. In fact, I encourage you. You're a hockey player. You're going to make mistakes. That's okay. To me, that makes, poker, that makes hockey players – I just came from a poker job. Okay. That makes <laughs> – I, I literally uh, – that makes hockey players freer to play the game they know how to play and, more, and be more creative. Um, I, 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 I am here for it. I mean, I have time for it as well. I like this. Yeah, and I, you know, you mentioned Engvall too, right? The same applies to him in Montreal. They get the, they come all the way back from three down, tie it up, and then about a minute and a half later, Engvall makes a terrible mistake. Awful, awful mistake. No one's able to to help cover up for him there, and 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 they lose that game. And then Wass spoke. I think it was before the Toronto game, and it was he was just talking about how, you know, he was told that Engvall was was really good when they acquired him. He was one of the better players in the playoffs, and and we're going to get him. We're going to work to get him back there. And speaking so highly of him and confident in his game, and then all of a sudden, what do you know? Back at his old stomping grounds, two minutes, two seconds left, game-winning goal. That doesn't happen if the game after Montreal, you sit the guy, and then all of a sudden, you get into his head, and he's thinking about, all right. You know, what do I need to do now in order to avoid making a mistake as opposed to how can I go out there and try to win the game? I don't know anybody who can play a sport, a creative sport like ice hockey, when they're afraid to make mistakes. It's part of the game. I mean, imagine if Matt Barzal, growing up, was like, stop making mistakes, stop turning the puck over. He would never be the player he is today. Right. You know, you have to have that freedom. Mitch Marner has probably made a million mistakes. Connor McDavid, they all made a million mistakes before they became the player they are today. Um, I love the freedom that, that Patty is giving his, his players. I love the confidence he's giving them. And listen, in certain instances, it's going to pay off, and in certain, it's probably not going to. Um, it'll, be, it'll be very interesting to see how much leash he gives certain players and how much leash he gives other ones. Well, right now for the forwards, he's got to give him a lot of leash because he's only got 12 healthy ones. <laughs> <laughs> so those guys are going to be given some freedom here. Uh, no doubt about it. Another a coaching strategy that I, I noticed that was quite different is two-on-ones. I don't know if you saw this for Toronto, but something Patty had mentioned was, he said, on a two-on-one, I want the shot. I want the shot. And he pointed to Varley and he said, he wants the shot. And for anybody who's played hockey, you probably know this. When you're, on a, when you're defending a two-on-one, you are taught, take the pass away, let the goalie have the shooter. Now, you don't want to give the guy a breakaway, right? You want to kind of stay in the middle a little bit, but really, you have to let the goalie take the shooter, okay? And you take the pass away. And versus Toronto, there were a couple of spots there where that's exactly what the defense did, and it's not something I've seen before. Um, in one spot, it worked really well. In the other spot, Mitch Marner actually went top shelf and scored, probably because Sorokin was too deep in the net. But I like that move. I think it's going to be a lot easier to play goalie under Patty simply because the goalies will know, okay, I can come out and I can attack the shooter. My defenseman has the pass. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, an area where now that they are, you know, more committed and explicit in that, that Sorokin's just going to have to be better because, I, listen, I've been saying for years, no, 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 no take the shooter, let Sorokin worry about the pass because he gets over laterally so well. And he's always, you know, he's, he's much better at covering the low part of the net as opposed to giving a guy a walk in and letting him pick a corner, which is kind of what Marner did the other night. Um, but yeah, I think, I guess having more predictability and knowing where what your defenseman is, is coached to do now and what they will be doing uh, could certainly be helpful. 
And we saw in the overtime goal, and again, it was a broken line change and it became a fire drill real fast, but right. You saw how Mike Riley kind of just froze up there and he didn't take the pass or the shot. Right. So that's definitely not good. But if you're able to eliminate all those backdoor passes that we were seeing earlier this season that were ending up in the back of the net every single time, that's obviously going to hopefully decrease the chances against. Uh, it's Super Bowl week. And uh, I know some most of you obviously are hockey fans, but everybody watches the Super Bowl. Who do you like? I mean, I don't like the Chiefs, but I think they're going to win because because you love Taylor because you love Taylor Swift. That's why <laughs> you know, I don't even care. Swift like Taylor Swift. Or, I don't care for Mate. I don't really care about any of that. I don't really even understand the hatred toward her or Kelsey in that regard. I think when your family is gone, do you play "Shake It Off" and and dance to it by yourself? I don't listen to her music. She's, you know. <laughs> Never really got into that, uh, to be honest. Not not really. Confirmed, everybody. Did you not heard my it genre. Here? Phil's she facts is, not, is a Swifty. Not my genre. By the way, music, I, I, no. did you see Barzal, though? Barzal is a Swifty. Is he? Yeah, that's what he said at the All-Star game. They were they they interviewed him. They asked him about that. He's like, yeah, why not? He's he like, I don't, like I don't know why everybody gets mad about it. Uh, I, I do, just, <laughs> I don't like, I, I think like Kelsey from his like personality standpoint, He's two different people. When he's with his brother on the pod, he's just very likable and calm and like just this chilled, relaxed dude. And then when you get him in front of like 80,000 fans in a microphone, he just becomes the crazy nutcase that's just trying too hard to be, you know, some knockoff version of Gronkowski. And it's it's very, very cringeworthy. So I, I have a bigger problem with like the whole Mahomes clan. I think his wife is just insufferable. I think his brother is nauseous so ever since those two broke onto the scene i have hated the chiefs because i hate everything that has to do with mahomes's family so you like the chiefs to win though so the chiefs are gonna win yeah okay yeah, you but you're rooting for the niners but i'm rooting for the niners yeah okay well i have money on the chiefs so i'm gonna i'm gonna go chiefs here i also yeah. have money. also as a, as a giant fan like you know I, t I took a tremendous amount of pride that in the 32 team era like we were one of the only teams that had multiple Super Bowl wins. Like it was us, it was the Patriots, it was the Ravens, I think. Although the Ravens, I think it was when, when it was 31. But like, you know, that's a hard thing to do, you know, when, when 32 teams win multiple Super Bowls. And, you know, the Chiefs kind of like pushed their way in there as well. So, I mean, what is it for? Like, I'd like my Giants to be good again at some point. It would be nice if uh, we could get some competent quarterbacking at some point. <laughs> Good offensive well, well, line. Well, you're talking to a Jet fan, so we can uh, listen. Misery loves company. Uh, I do bring up betting because I do want to talk about the New York Islanders. And I thought that it was a really interesting thing. So I'm looking at the betting lines here. This is just to make playoffs. And I thought it was really interesting. So for those of you who don't understand how it works, when a number is minus, that means um, a team is favored to do that thing. So, for example, uh, the New Jersey Devils are to make the playoffs are minus 130. Meanings you have to meaning you have to bet one hundred and thirty dollars to win a hundred, right? Okay. So the New Jersey Devils are minus one thirty. Mm -hmm. The Philadelphia Flyers are minus one thirty five. The wow. Pittsburgh Penguins are minus one seventy. Oh boy. So you think okay, based on all that, the New York Islanders probably around that number. No, the New York Islanders are plus two fifty to make the playoffs right now. Betters don't like the Islanders. Yeah, clearly. The betters do not like the Islanders. I'm going to tell you, I love What's Detroit. The do you have Detroit pulled up there? Uh, I would assume they're like plus 110. Let's see. I can find you Detroit very easily. They are minus 125 
to make the playoffs. So that means, again, betters are betting. It is Detroit, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and the Devils are all favorites, slight favorites to make the playoffs based mm-hmm. on percentages anywhere between, say, 55 54% up to about 60%. Actually, Pittsburgh is up is over 60% to make the playoffs, yeah. according to the betting line, while the Islanders are about you 27%. Now, either the betters are far too optimistic about the Flyers, the Penguins, the Devils, and the Red Wings, or they're far too pessimistic about the Islanders. Something is wrong here. There is a disconnect that makes no sense to me. Really quickly, give me the Washington Capitals. I'm assuming. Oh, they're, they're like minus plus three eighty at this point. Yeah, nobody wants to bet on the Capitals. They're terrible. Right. Uh, what are they? They. I'm going to say minus six hundred. I mean, I mean, if you listen, the Capitals. That's the miss. That's the miss. I'm assuming. The Capitals to make the playoffs are plus eight hundred. There you go. Okay. Eight to yeah. one. Everyone knows they're a mirage. Well, they're, and they're, and they're a mirage, and there's they're. There's like six teams between them and the playoffs. That's the problem. Even though they're only like seven points out or whatever it is, they're, they right. have to leapfrog so let's, like let's six Let's just teams. talk about the playoff picture really quick here. Washington's, let's assume Washington's not in the playoff picture. Let's just assume Washington's not coming back. Kuznetsov is now out for personal reasons. That's on top of Backstrom. They are just not a good team. By the way, Ovechkin's not going to break the record. He'll have to play till he's 45. That's all. But he can't. He's not. 10 I mean, goals a year for the next six years. That's the problem, I mean, though. He's not going to be. It's not like he's suddenly what is he going to suddenly get his scoring touch and score thirty five goals next year. No, but he'll just stretch it out until he gets it. It's like you ever watch that movie Mister Three Thousand with? Uh, he's not, not going to get it there. He's not going to. He's not not on Washington. Guy? I'll put Bernie it this way: Mack. if he wants to, if he wants to do it, here's the here's the. Um, and I wasn't going to go into Ovi, but it's I thought it's an interesting little thing. Here is the conundrum: the Washington Capitals want Ovechkin to break the record wearing a Washington Capitals sweater. Mm-hmm. The problem is the Washington Capitals badly need to rebuild because the team around Ovechkin is terrible. True. Ovechkin probably could break the record if he were traded to, say, Edmonton. <laughs> I mean, it's very possible that if he doesn't take a really, really discounted deal in Washington, that at some point they will have to move on from him and, and he would get the record in a different sweater. It all depends on what they prioritize, right? Like for Ovechkin, he already has his cup right now. It's a matter of like, I think chasing Gretzky is a bigger accomplishment to him than winning a second cup, undoubtedly. Well, especially since a second cup is just never going to happen for him at this point. Right. At this point, it won't. Yeah, but getting back to the, anyway, uh, yeah. unless, he, unless he goes to Colorado Avalanche, the way I view the playoff picture is like this. You got Philly in the third spot of the Metro, right? You've got Detroit Red Wings in the eighth seed, which is the second wild card spot. Those two spots are very clearly in play. Right. And those two teams are in play for them, of course, because they currently occupy them. And then you've got the Islanders, Devils and Penguins. So realistically, you've got five teams for two spots. You may, you may. And again, I'm being, you know, I don't want to jump the gun here. I don't know that Tampa's a lock. They've got the they've got the first wild card spot. They are five points up. A major, a major injury last night. Sergeyev, he hasn't been playing most of the year, though. He, I think he no, he just got back. I feel like if Tampa was Tampa was struggling so badly early on that if they're then if they, they got things going well, right. I think they won like seven or the last nine games or something like that. So they've they're five. Listen, if the Islanders beat Tampa tonight in regulation, and you know hopefully they will, they'll only be three points back of them with a game in hand. So you might be looking at a certain point at six or seven teams 
for four playoff spots. Again, depending on what Toronto does also there. Uh, Toronto should make it. Like, I'm 95% sure that Toronto's going to make it. I am not 95% sure that Tampa makes it. I'm like 75% chance of them making it. That's that's where I am on Tampa. I'm I need a I need to see a little bit more of them uh before I I can cement them and say yeah that that spot's locked up. Right. And that one's out of reach. And that's fair. We'll see. So what what's your pick here then? I mean like I said I'm going to say whether, the whether or not you get a spot. I, mean, I think what, the Islanders are going to finish third in the Metro. Are the, are the, but are the Lions insane, or is it just me? I mean, I don't understand how the they Flyers... Were, they were just as insane last year, though. I, you know, our good friend Andy... The Islanders Francis were never the plus... The Islanders were... Even last year, the Islanders were not that... The Islanders were not plus 250. No, they were. They were. Um, at this time at of year, they were they were worse than plus 250. Much worse. No, this no, time I, of year, go think. back and listen to Joe and Andy's podcasts from last year, around this time, and then after they got Horvat. And Andy was banging the drum that Vegas knows, you know, they are usually good with this stuff. Don't bet the Islanders to make the playoffs. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. And Andy's stuff is usually really, really good. I think so Vegas is, I actually, I, listen, I love Andy. I think he does a great job. I think Vegas is, when it comes to, listen, the NFL is incredibly efficient. The markets are so efficient. They are almost always spot on. You know, it's very hard to find value in the NFL because, there's just so much information out there. But when it comes to the NHL, when it comes to hockey, I, I think there's a They're lot. They're not as good at it. I, listen, the mere fact that the Devils, the Flyers, Pittsburgh, and Detroit are all favored, and the Islanders are at 27%, that's a disconnect. I, I just don't see how that – I don't see how Pittsburgh can be over 60% to make the playoffs, and the Islanders can be 27%. That doesn't make any right. sense at all. Agreed. Yeah, but I remember Andy – had the odds and it was worse than plus 250 at one point last year around this time. So, and they had Pittsburgh at, at like minus 300. I don't remember. This Which made sense because this time last year, you had Pittsburgh pretty firmly in a spot. They were the seven seed and they were six points ahead of the Islanders with games in hand. So, let's see. Let's, let's see for see sure. Well, we, out. listen, we've, uh, Phil, we covered a lot. Uh, welcome back from your vacation. Welcome back from the All-Star break. Uh, 1-0 since the All-Star break already. Uh, we take on Tampa tonight. We didn't want to spend too much time because I know a lot of you are going to be listening to this uh, after the game. Um, we do play Tampa's backup goalie. Uh, Tampa with another injury last night. Uh, this is a game that the Islanders can win and uh, healthy. They should win. This is a game. They should yeah, win. Uh, you'd like to see them. You know, let's put a little streak together and see it goes. Yeah, oh, beat one thing them, I- beat Calgary on Saturday at home. Hey, one, the Kraken, and then you get another four days off. One thing I didn't touch on, and I do want to ask you, you mentioned his name, Benoit DeRosier, how he ever say his name. Uh, it was pre-announced that he was going to be coming on board. Lou probably had a bit of a temper tantrum over that. We were wondering if that was going to screw the whole thing up for him. Turns out he ended up getting hired and has jumped right into the mix, working on face-offs with Horvat, Pajot, Sazikis. Uh, working with Mayfield, I saw that on the defense, working on the penalty kill. How excited are we about uh, this particular guy, Benoit DeRosier? I'll be honest, I didn't know much about him going into it. But... By the way, funniest thing ever is that nobody <laughs> on Twitter understands sarcasm. You're like, no. great hire. This Elite is amazing. Hire. And people are like, well, what can you tell us about him, Phil? Or like, why are you saying, oh, like, dude, I don't know. I'm, just, this, I'm fucking with bit. you people. Don't do. you get it? <laughs> and everybody's like, Phil, you're full of shit. You don't know who this guy is. You're like, crazy. Oh God! Nobody gets sarcasm. So you, you don't know anything about the guy, right? He's just—he's—I know he's worked with Patty for the last six years. Obviously, Patty has a lot of respect for him, and he's—he's he's comfortable with him. 
Uh, he's only 35 years old. Love a, love a nice young coach. Yeah, I mean, Get some youth behind the bench there. Yeah, somebody they, they believe in analytics. Especially some of these dinosaurs like McLean and Huda. <laughs> no doubt about it. Hey, uh, good to see you back. Uh, once again, guys, you are listening to The Red Line, presented by Owls Fix. Your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at owlsfix.substack.com. If you have any questions for Phil or myself, uh, reach out on X at Phil's Facts at Tuck on Sports. Use the hashtag, The Red Line. We'll try to get to your questions next week. As always, we do appreciate your support. And thank you. We're out.